0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Influencer Podcast. It is Julie Solomon, and I am so grateful to be here with you today. So I have a question. Have you ever thought that an idea that you have or a dream that you want to bring to life is too general, too silly, too saturated? Have you ever talked yourself out of following an idea or a passion because it's been done a million times already? Well, if so, this episode is for you. Tiff's Treats co-founder Tiffany Chin shares her story of how she went from baking cookies in her college apartment with her now husband to growing a first-of-its-kind warm cookie delivery company worth over $500 million. Now, Tiffany's story will not only make you want to devour an entire box of warm cookies, like, yes, they are that good if you've never had Tiff's Treats. You're going to want to have them after this conversation, but most importantly, it will encourage you to keep at that idea that you have, even if you keep telling yourself that it's already been done. She also has a new book coming out called It's Just Not Cookies, where she gives you her secret recipes to all of her amazing cookies. You can click the link in our show notes to get access to that. It comes out on April 5th, which was yesterday. So it should be able to get into your hands this week so you can start baking and to hear her story and to take some gleams from what she has shared through her growth as a business owner, we can get started. What if you could wake up every day being truly happy with your life? What if you could shake off outdated ideas of what is possible and use your newfound confidence to make anything you want happen? Well, I'm excited to share that I'm gonna show you the way in my upcoming book, Get What You Want, How to go from unseen to unstoppable in these pages i share my vulnerable authentic account of how i transformed my own life to live free from self-loathing and gain the confidence to love and accept myself which made me feel unstoppable and i'm going to teach you the steps and the methods that i took to get there and in the book i share why most people feel stuck in the past with belief systems that make them feel like getting what they want is impossible and I'm gonna show you what to do about it. I give you very actionable steps and easy exercises that offer a no-nonsense, eye-opening path to everything you want and a path that enables you to leverage your power and influence, to understand and overcome the origin stories that hinder your success, discover your true purpose and create a new vision, set and stick to newfound boundaries and gain the confidence to pitch negotiate, and get anything you want. This book is my gift to you. It will answer your questions about why you feel confused, frustrated, overwhelmed, stuck, and alone. And it will liberate you from the belief system that has kept you feeling small for so long. By taking this step, you can and will get what you want. And when you order your copy of the book today, you will get a ton of perks, including special access to my brand new personal development membership for only $1 your first month. I know that is crazy, but I want to make sure that you have the easiest way possible to experience this. This membership is where I break down the methods of the book. This gets you access to bi-weekly empowerment coaching sessions with me live in real time each month, as well as private podcast episodes, accountability support, and so much more. So you're going to want to go to juliesolomon.net slash get what you want. And all you have to do is pre-order the book today and you get a ton of free bonuses and this special offer to try my new empowerment membership for just $1 your first month. It's all valued at $500 and you get access to it all when you pre-order the book. So I invite you to join me on the journey of how to let go of what you can't change how to change what you can, and blast through fears of self-doubt to create the life you've always wanted. Join me for the coaching and support when you pre-order the book today at julie.solomon.net/slash/get-what-you-want. This special offer expires soon, so you want to get in it today. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon. If you found yourself here, it means you are ready to unleash the powerful visionary that lives inside you, turning you into an authentic leader who creates influence, impact, and change. Let's get started. Hi, Tiffany. Hello. It's good to be here. Good Thanks to have for you. For having me. Yeah, of course. So um, I'm really excited to dive into this conversation because I I love supporting female founders. I love hearing their stories. I love sharing their stories, and um, and I personally love Tiff's treats. <laughs> so then yeah, it's it's fun to have you on here um, because I'm I'm a consumer of the beautiful company that you've created and the amazing cookies that you have. So I would love for you to share a little bit about how this idea came about, especially in a marketplace that I think it would be so easy for someone to say, I'm not going to do this. It's so saturated. I'm not going to do this. It's already been done. You know, all of those things that can kind of come in place. So I would love to hear how that, how that started with you and how you kind of got over some of those things that we can tell ourselves.
1: Well, um, so we started back in 1999. So it was a long time ago in a different marketplace at the time. And the way, let me just briefly say how we got started. So I founded this company together with my now husband and I um, had stood him up on a date and as an apology, I baked him a batch of cookies because it was something I did as a hobby. I drove them over to his house, gave him the cookies. The cookies were still warm when I got there and he just loved them so much that he had the idea that we should do this as a business and we would bake cookies on demand, and deliver them still, while they're still warm out of the oven. So it was a pretty simple thought. Um, I actually wasn't interested in doing it at all. I said, no, thank you. We were in college. So we were 19 years old. We were sophomores at the University of Texas. And I really wasn't looking to start a business. This, this wasn't a passion um, of mine. But we got to talking about it that afternoon. And I don't know. And then it started seeming a little bit fun and like maybe an adventure we could do. So I ended up at the grocery store that day, pricing out how much do cookies cost to make? What are other flavors besides chocolate chip that we could do easily? Um, Got back on the phone with him and said, let's give it a try and we can um, open it. We opened it straight from his college apartment. So we didn't have a commercial kitchen. We didn't have any starting money. um, We just, we bought a cell phone so that customers could have a line to call us and place their orders. And we figured out how, you know, what flavors we were gonna make, how what would we would price them. And we just printed up a bunch of flyers and took them all around campus, um, hoping that somebody would wanna try our warm cookie delivery service. And so, you know, you're talking about a lot of these barriers that how did we get overthinking of them? And the truth is, and partly just because just we were so young, but we never considered. Any, we never considered anything like that. We, we never considered that there would be a barrier. We never considered there were too many of this or too many of that. We just went for it. We had an idea that we thought was something that we would have used. Um, and so we we went forward with it. Kind of like your youth is bliss at that moment. A hundred percent. I think it would be so much harder because when you're an adult, uh, you do think of all those things as you should. I mean, of course, you're going to think about all the, all the how does this work into my life? How, how risky is this when um, in the position we were in? Yeah. And we started so small, you know, to start with, it wasn't all that risky. It became so as we got bigger and bigger and started getting more and more involved in it. First, you sort of put the rest of what you were doing in college aside, just to focus on this. Um, So there's a little bit of a risk. And then we started pulling out loans and loans and loans. And You know, pretty soon we were to the point where if it failed, which it very, very well could have, we would be paying back loans for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. And so that's something we just kind of took one step at a time. Another piece of risk, you know, we're taking on a little more risk, a little more risk. um, And we didn't think through that a ton, but it did weigh on us some in the early years, knowing that that would be where we would head if it didn't work out.
0: Well, and not only did it not fail, but I mean, it, it became massive. And now you have multiple locations and multiple cities. You have a book coming out, and you've been able to really niche in on a market that I think a lot of people would be afraid to tap into because they feel like it's how are they gonna stick out among the saturation? And so why do you think looking back on it now, what were some of the key indicators that that you know allowed it to not
1: Well, uh, a couple things. One, we knew what we wanted to do, which was cookies hot out of the oven. And nothing was going to deter us from doing that. And even now, we are still sticklers about that. We operate the same way now as we did then. As you say, we've got um, 75-ish locations. We've got 2,000 employees. We've sold over well over 200 million cookies in our history. So we're certainly not the same size or scope that we were when we started. But baking the cookies and delivering them straight out of the oven was extremely important to us. And we were never going to bend on that. And that's what wasn't in the marketplace. There's plenty of other things, but that was not in the marketplace and largely to any large scale um, still isn't. And so I think for one thing, sticking to what we knew we wanted to do and not getting distracted when there are are other ways of doing it, there are, are easier ways to do it. There are maybe other opportunities for revenue to come in. Um, But we were very focused on what we were trying to do, which was warm cookie delivery. And then what we ended up doing without, it kind of grew on its own, but we ended up being big into gifting. And what that led to was this connection that people had with our business, which we call warm cookie moments, but it's this moment of connection that you have with somebody else over warm cookies. So either whether you're sharing them together in the same place, or sending them to somebody else. Um, It took us a long time to realize this, but people were always excited about Tiff's Treats. And there's like an emotional connection that people have to it. And it took us a long time to figure out what that was. And it was that we are connected to these special moments. So maybe like the birth of a child, Tiff's Treats delivered into the hospital. You know, your anniversary, Tiff's Treats is there too. Your birthday, we're there. Um, We're also there for comfort. You know sometimes it's something that's not going great and people need comfort and we're th- we're there for those deliveries as well and i think once we realized that um that helped us form what was important to our company and gifting is a huge piece of our company it's not an afterthought to like a snacking it's the thought we put a lot of thought into how to deliver stuff to somebody when when they're not expecting it
0: And so, I mean, you really tapped into what makes you a key differentiator in the marketplace, which was we will deliver warm cookies. That is it. End of story. How were you able to make that happen? I mean, that it's, you know, and I can only imagine when you were first starting out because you didn't have the method, you didn't have the trial and error, you didn't have the protocol in place. So how did you learn through the trial and error to really perfect that, that Flow
1: and, and be able to um, really deliver on that promise? Yeah, it definitely needed to be perfected over the years. So, when we started, you know, we just threw cookies into the oven when the order came in, we'd throw it in a box, we'd deliver it out to you. And largely, I mean, that is still the way it works, but we didn't have anything that made it polished. Um, and we would pick up little things along the way. So, for example, um, we used to just throw all the cookies on top of each other in the box, not even thinking about the fact that they'll stick to each other. And we did that for the first couple of years. And we had a customer say, Hey, could you put something in between the layers of my cookies so they don't stick together? We still remember her. Her name was Nell Ewing, and she worked in downtown Austin. And so for Nell, we would put these papers in there. And then after a little while, we thought, Everybody would probably want this. This right. is better. And so you just do little things like that. And you figure out, Hey, when we're cooling the cookies on a table, an aluminum table keeps those cookies. So hot for so long that it's hard for us to get them in the box. So we change what type of tables we use to to help with that process. And then you just do a thousand of those over and over again. And really, I don't think there's a fast way of doing it. It really is trial and error and understanding over time and stress testing how things work, especially as volume increases, that you figure out exactly what your flow is. And honestly, the flow still changes now because as volume changes, as different products come online, the operations team tweaks things and changes how we do things to constantly perfect.
0: My friends, as creators, we work so hard creating our content. So we don't wanna leave it up to things like an algorithm to determine how successful our online brands and businesses can be. And that is why I love Kajabi. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs like myself build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable, recurring revenue. And I know they can help you too. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, your passions, your experiences into enriching offers like online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, communities, personalized coaching, and so much more. What I love about Kajabi is that not only does it make it super easy to use, but they don't take a cut of your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. You don't need a huge audience to make a sustainable income online. I talk about that all the time here on the podcast. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures without having hundreds of thousands of followers. And you can too. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business Go to kajabi.com slash influencer. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash influencer. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion for sponsoring the show. Well, and two, I always say that, you know, the operations could be amazing, the delivery could be great, but if your product isn't fabulous, none of it matters. And your treats are amazing. So, how did you go about perfecting the recipe of a chocolate chip cookie, which so many people, as you say, You know, they already have emotional attachments to chocolate chip cookies. They remember when they were growing up and their grandmother would make it or they would do it this way or this way. Or do you add add nuts? Do you not add nuts? How were you able to really perfect and put your mark on your signature cookie that also allowed you to stand out and become the successful business that you are?
1: Yeah. You know, when it comes to cookies, people are very specific about what they like. And I think you may have tapped into something. Some of that is nostalgic. I grew up this way. I do have nuts in them. I don't have nuts in them. Mine are crispy, mine are crunchy, mine are soft, mine are falling apart. And there is no right answer for what is the best cookie because it is personal to you. And that's kind of where we just led with. It's the cookie that I like. It's the cookie that I made. And this is the one I like. And I actually, I like all kinds of cookies, but this is the one that I prefer. And we leaned into that. We go for a soft gooey cookie that pulls apart um, something that's really warm um, and at just the right size for you to be able to hold. Um, and so there's not a right answer there, but I think you know what you want and stick with the the one that, that excites you. You know, sometimes we have products that come through And I'll say, you know, I don't love this, but, you know, other people are responding positively in taste tests. But a lot of times we'll ultimately come back to it and say, you know what? I just don't love it. And so I, even though I hear you, that other people here at the office are enjoying it, I'm still not going to put it out there because I just, I don't want to put it out unless I personally, it doesn't have to be my favorite in the entire world, but I need to still love it.
0: Yeah when i think that you really touched on that is is about it's not about trying to be everything for everyone you've got to go with what, what what is your gut telling you and and really following that and i think that that's what makes it an extension of you and yeah. part of what you're putting out into the world um and so i would love to touch on too, cuz as you said you now have 2000 employees you have you know, teams and it's, it's way bigger than just you and your husband in that kitchen in college. And a lot of our listeners who are entrepreneurs, um, or even, even they manage that, you know, they're in C-suites or they're in, you know, corporations, they manage teams. And the big question that we get is like, when do you know when it's the right time to hire? You know, who do you hire? When do where do you, where do you start to invest the resources and the money to make sure that you're getting that return on investment. So from your experience and yeah. your journey of business growth, you know, what was that first hire and who was it and, and how did you know that it was time to branch out and to get that help?
1: Yeah, those are great questions. Um, so for us, obviously we needed delivery drivers and people to help in the kitchen. So those are natural and those kind of, you, you understand the need. You're there, you can see, okay, I have one delivery driver. I need two delivery drivers. But what you're really referring to is more of like the structure team. And so for us, what the first type of position we hired was HR. And it was because it was the thing that we liked to to do the least and we were the worst at. Um, And so it was really somebody. And when I say HR, the beginnings of our HR was really more of just a recruiting. People to hire new delivery driver and kitchen help and things like this in. And then they did HR functions. But when you're small, you don't have a ton of HR functions, um, but do the hiring. So we, we passed off the hiring first. And that was the reason we weren't super at it. Um, we didn't love doing it. And then from there, I think when you start finding that you're focusing on something to the detriment of everything else, that's when it's time to hire that next person. So for the longest time, Leon and I did our own books. So I did receivables and he did payables. Um, And ultimately there became a period in my career where I was spending 90% of my time reconciling the deposits and invoicing and receiving payments. And that is no way to grow a business. And so when you get to that inflection point, you have to move towards, okay, now we need people in here to do the accounting part of it. And you don't have to, Jump into something huge, but make a move to bring in somebody. And ultimately, you're always going to be bringing in somebody who's better than you at it. And we've done that consistently. I was the one doing all of our email marketing, and it was terrible. I mean, it was okay for the time. I mean, this was like the 2000s, but it wasn't good and it wasn't insightful. And it wasn't. And then you bring in somebody, and they're better than you at it. And then they have the opportunity to bring that portion of your business up. And I think you just keep doing that over and over and over again. But at the same time, I would take it one step at a time because hiring um, the right people is difficult. And sometimes it takes a lot of luck. And sometimes it takes a long time to find the right person. And if you make a misstep, it's okay. We've made plenty of missteps with with that kind of thing. Um, But it's damaging and it sets you back. So certainly I think bringing in team members little at a time and build little at a time until you get to that place because managing people is also a a difficult job.
0: Yeah, it is. And then you can hire someone to do that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, eventually, yeah.
0: So I wanna talk about expansion and scaling. Um, When did you know that it was the right time to start expanding out to different locations? And I don't mean just like, Well, it could be a location down the street. But I mean, you're in multiple states. So obviously, this is hands off. You're trusting the foundation that you've built, the team that you have, the operations that are in place. When did you know that it was time to do that? Um, Obviously, there had to be a desire, you know, for you to want to expand that way. But what did that kind of look like in the beginning? And then and then what does it look like? You know, today in terms of really what that did for you as a brand in terms of awareness, growth, bottom line, and where you are.
1: Yeah, so that's <laughs> growing and expanding is an adventure. We started um, our second. So we started in 1999, and then we opened our second location in 2006. So we we took a long time before we we made that big jump. Um, of course, some of those years were in college, so it probably sounds a little bit longer than it really was. Um, We decided to go to Dallas. So our first location was in Austin. We opened our second location in Dallas. So it was a huge jumping off point in saying, okay, we have another location that runs without us living there. We've got a management team that is running it. And we made a ton of mistakes in doing it. And in hindsight, we should have opened more locations in Austin and figured out how to run a multi-unit business where we actually were physically. Um, but on the nice side, it really pushed us out of the nest in terms of figuring out, okay, how do you manage remotely? Um, we made so many mistakes in terms of one of the biggest mistakes we did with that was we let them be too hands off. We mistook empowering them for not supporting them. So while we did all the back of house functions, their day-to-day operations, we left largely to the management that was there. And these were people who, who had worked for us a long time. We knew them and we trusted them. And it wasn't that they weren't trustworthy. It's that when you're totally off-site, they started making small tweaks. And so their machinery ran a little differently. And then because of that, their cookies got a little bit bigger. And because of that, they turned up the um, heat in their oven to cook them through a little bit more. So they ultimately had cookies that were a little bigger and a little crunchier. Um, And this was a short period of time. But once we kind of realized this was going on, we thought, okay, We can't just empower them by saying, you know, it's your show, run your show. We can still empower them, but have systems and processes that are the same between how we do it here and how you do it there. And I'm not stepping on your toes by saying we all need these same processes. And so we were collaborative with that management team as well. And really what solved it was in-person meetings once a month. So every month we would meet with them in person and we could all bring up the problems we were having and solve the problems together. So that was our first foray into like really expanding um, in a different city. And then from there, um, we've expanded a ton more. We've jumped off into other areas. At this point now, we have a stellar operations team. So now in terms of that they can get the operations done, the training done, and all of this, that's not even, no longer my strong point, you know, that it used to be, um, but it isn't now and it's theirs. And so that's been amazing to have an operations team that you can really, really trust to know that no matter where the location is, they'll enact the same processes that we have here.
0: And when you were first starting in college, I mean, did you and and Leon, did y'all look at each other and be like, okay, we want a massive company we want to hire thousands of people. We want to be responsible for putting food on their tables. I mean, was it was it this big dream or was it a series of steps that just started to unfold for you to have the desire to have as big of a business that you have?
1: Yeah, absolutely a series of steps. We certainly didn't put that much thought into it to have the dream, um, Uh, as you're talking about, so true, there are so many people that rely on on us and and the team to keep going. Um, And it's neat where it's ended up, it certainly wasn't something we were thinking about, but we always had ambitions that we could make it something great. And so it's sort of in between. It was very iterative and small things at once. We were never looking that far down, but still with a little bit of an eye towards this could be bigger than just this one little just the two of us as this service.
0: Do you ever have any fear as you were growing, when you were really starting to scale? Like, are we going to be able to pull this off? <laughs> like, oh yeah. yeah. So like, can you kind of just share a little bit about about how you were able to, you know, not even really fix those feelings, but like, even with those feelings being there, you still showed up and you still got to the other side of it.
1: Yeah, those feelings are always there. And there's, so- there I mean especially for somebody like me, I'm a little bit risk averse so um, you know Le- Leon's more the one that's always certain that we can charge for it and we'll figure it out at this point I know well enough after 23 years that we'll figure it out uh, but it doesn't relieve that sort of tense feeling you're like oh gosh this next endeavor I'm not sure. But yeah, when we were growing younger, especially when it's a very small team and most of it's falling on your shoulders, there is a ton of doubt of, are we getting in over our heads? Are we going to be able to make this work? Can we keep all the balls in the air at the same time? And for me, I still, I I just don't look super too far down. Like tackle what you're tackling now, trust that you'll figure it out and then tackle the next thing when it comes. That's sort of how I operate just because I do live in that uncomfortableness of, I'm never sure. I feel like this may not be true, but for Leon, I feel like he's always sure. He knows it's going to be fine. You know, to, never going sure to
0: Vegas be. is what you're saying. Leon, Leon's <laughs> to <laughs> Vegas, to roll the yeah, dice. He's eyes. a bigger gambler, for sure. <laughs> but I think it's a nice compliment. You know, in a lot of ways, we, we, we do need that person that's like, we'll figure this out. I got it. We'll make it work. We're, we're capable. And then having, and then having you to kind of balance that, I think is super important. And um, I want you to share a little bit, you have the book coming out in April, which is super exciting and it's called, it's just not cookies. And um, what, what made you want to write a book and, and why, why now, why was now the time to get this out?
1: Yeah. You know, I think as we've been getting a little bit bigger as a company, we, realize that not everybody knows our story and don't know that it's really just, you know, just started as the two of us, as small as it can possibly be. And we've tossed around the idea for a long time of when would we tell that story? And we thought this was a good time because for us, we feel like we're sort of right in the middle. We are not at the beginning stages, um, but we're nowhere near the end stages in terms of growth. We're still on the early portion of our big growth. So we thought it would be fun to put out, it's not a memoir per se, because we're still right in it, but a look back to what we've done so far and a look ahead to where we're going. Um, And so that's why we thought this was a fun and good time to put that down there. And then um, we tossed in the recipes as well. And so that was something we, we weren't really initially planning to do when we started talking about a book. But then we realized how much more fun it would be for customers and fans to be able to take that and enjoy tips Treats in a new way, you know, in your own kitchen with your own spin on it.
0: Yeah, I know. I love that too. And I think that it it would just cause me to even get more delivered. <laughs> because <laughs> it's like, what? okay, this was fun, but
1: like, no, I just I just want them delivered and I want them, you know,
0: the way that they're supposed That's
1: to the be. I love to bake, but man, is it a pain to get all the stuff out? Actually, then you got to get the, you know, I'm not really the kind of person. So my mom always, always had a canister of flour, a canister of sugar. I can't, she had this lineup of canisters. And if we wanted to make cookies, we could make them. It was, there was all the stuff was always there, no matter what. And I'm the opposite where I never have the stuff unless I want to make it. So then I'm like, actually Instacarting all of the ingredients for it. So it's a big to-do. Every time you want to make something, you gotta get all the ingredients, gotta put it up. It's still fun. I still love to do it, but nothing beats ordering something on the app if you just have something. Well,
0: especially when they're warm and they're delivered to your door. I mean, you can't you can't beat that. Um so what what is to come? I mean, because you say, you know, for some people, it's like you probably have a business that they could never even believe is possible. And you're like, we're kind of just getting started. So what, what do you really envision to be that next chapter and that next stage that is tip streets?
1: Yeah. You know, we still have a ton of room to grow. And our goal is to be nationwide with warm cookie delivery, you know, delivering truly across the country to many, many, um, I could never say every household, but to the majority of households, that's really where we want to be. We have no reason why we couldn't. Um, it's just a matter of timing and scale, and we're making steps towards it for sure. Um, but we've got a huge amount of space uh, where we can grow, and it's funny—we've got tons of locations in Texas, but even in Texas, there are so there's so much more space uh, to service even more areas. Yeah, I know. I'm lucky because
0: I'm in Nashville, so I I'm I'm close to one. Um which is is really nice. And what do you feel is, kind of looking back a little bit, what has surprised you the most about the work that you've been able to do through this?
1: Um, You know, well, one of the things that's been uh, something I wouldn't have considered before we started that's neat is the opportunity to be involved in charity. So when we first started opening new locations, I think it was our third location we had ever done. We had the idea to run a grand opening that all went towards charity. And for that one, we did Make-A-Wish. So every sale we did that day all went to Make-A-Wish. The Wish Kid got to come out and be a part of the day. And it was so cool. And it's neat to be able to be a part of something like that. And so for every grand opening we've done ever since, they've all benefited a different charity. Um, And we take in donation requests. That was one of the first things actually that we put on our website, um, besides online ordering, was a way for you to request a donation for your charitable organization because we had so many people coming in that we wanted to organize it in a way that we could easily um, understand and and keep track of. And it's been cool to be a part of that. And I feel like what's neat about it is that not everybody gets to contribute in that way. And it's um, a really fun part of our job.
0: I love that. And I I can't wait for people to grab the book because I think for those that have not had a chance to enjoy your amazing cookies, this is going to give them, you know, kind of the first step to be able to do that and just to see where you're going. And so um, I would love just one last question um, before we pop off. And I want to make sure that we um, also share where, you know, you can get the cookies, you can grab the book anywhere where books are sold. But for that entrepreneur that is listening, that you know, maybe they're in one of those tough moments and they're, you know, they are like, can I do this? Is this possible? What's happening? From your own experience, what what would be the best piece of encouragement that you could give to them?
1: Um, I would say try to relax and take today for today. You're not going to plan 20 years today. Just do what you can do today. Know that you're going to have something to do tomorrow and take that one step at a time. And this is something that I struggle with. So I would give this advice, even though I don't know if I can take it, but just trust yourself. You can do more than you think you can do. And I you, I think that takes you like halfway down. There's no sense in just sitting and being worried about what you can or can't do. You can do it and just trust, trust yourself and take that next step. Mm, yeah, I love that.
0: Well, Tiffany, thank you so much for being here. Please, please share how people can start to enjoy some TIFF treats and then, of course, get their hands on the book.
1: Well, of course. Um, So our website is cookiedelivery.com. So you can order warm, on-demand cookie delivery if you're in one of our delivery areas. And if not, we can ship take-and-bake cookie dough and little cookie truffles. So we ship those nationwide. So you can do that at cookiedelivery.com or on the TIFF treats mobile app. Um, and of course the book releases on April 5th and you can get that anywhere books are sold, um, or through tips treats. Amazing.
0: Well, thank you so much for being here. Now I'm going to have to order some tips treats because I'm not going to be able to get them out of my head. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you so much.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you.
0: As always, thank you so much for joining me today and every week here on the influencer podcast.